A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know. I can feel your eyes on me when you think I'm not looking. I know, I know, I know, I know, because I do the same damn thing. Put your walls down, baby, I know that you want me and you're feeling alone. I know, I know, I know, I know that you're feeling some type of way. From the Bedlam Podcast Network, this is A Tiny Revolution, celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. I'm Kevin Garcia, and the track you're listening to in the background is my friend Arvi Mendoza, a killer disco pop queen from the great city of Detroit, Michigan. And so if you haven't heard of Arvi, go follow Arvi on Snapchat with the name is just Arvi Mendoza. You can also watch the whole music video that was recorded entirely for Snapchat on YouTube. So just go to YouTube.com, search Arvi Mendoza, You Blew It. You can also look it up on Spotify. The track is so good. I've been dancing to it for like a week straight. And uh, I'm so grateful that Arvi shared it with me so I could share it with you guys. So shout out to my friend Arvi Mendoza. Also check out Arvi's Patreon. Support what he's doing. And uh, I'll play a little bit more of that track later in the podcast so you can, you know, groove out a little bit. Uh, So today in the podcast, um, I know I told you that I wasn't going to do a two-parter thing again. But last week I didn't have a voice. And so, like, I was sick. And you can probably still hear it a little bit in my voice that it's uh, a little bit hard to breathe. I didn't really share my thoughts with you on the election or how I'm feeling and... I know a lot of us are in a very strange place of not really knowing how to feel, so I wanted to address that. And after I talk about election stuff and how do we move forward, I have a really fantastic conversation today with spiritual life coach Jordan Bach, who is just such a wise person and such a kind spirit. I know that you're really going to enjoy the conversation we had. I know listening listening to that conversation over again while I was editing it, was a true, like, it was a healing for me all over again. Um, We had that conversation the same week that I lost my job, and I feel like so much of it is still, still relevant for what we're experiencing today, you know, a whole couple months later. So, before I jump into that, let me tell you about the dates coming up. January 5th through the 8th, I'm going to be at the Gay Christian Network Conference, leading worship alongside Darren Calhoun. And I'm also going to be doing two workshops I just found out, and I'm super excited. One of which is going to be with my friend Matthias Roberts, who you might know from MatthiasRoberts.com. We're going to be doing a workshop called Stand Your Holy Ground, Moving Beyond the Debate. So, in that workshop, we're going to be talking about letting your story be the ground from which you work from, uh kind of some spiritual practices that we both keep in order to, you know, stand your holy ground. We're borrowing a mantra from one of our favorite writers, Elizabeth Gilbert, who says, don't puff up and don't shrink back. Stand your holy ground. So we're going to be working with that, and we're excited to share that. And the other workshop I'm doing is called Owning Your Story and Impacting Others, where I'm going to talk about the science of debate why it doesn't exactly work, and how you can actually use your story as a tool for building bridges between people who might disagree with you, especially if you're a justice worker, especially if you are brand new to the conversation around LGBTQ inclusion, especially in the church. This could be a really great workshop for you. So if you're coming to GCN or if you haven't signed up for GCN, go do that. All the information is at gcnconf.com. That's gcnconf.com. 
uh, register, and then all the information is going to be on the website for that. In addition to that, Bad Theology Kills shirts are still online. I think it's just going to be one of those things I keep doing, and I'll tell you about every week. I am working on a new design right now, just in time for the holidays. It's going to be a crew neck sweater, and you'll see that when it comes out. It's going to be so good. Okay, so now that the announcements are out of the way, let's talk about what happened. Um, I don't know where you were or how you're feeling with what happened with the election. If you're like most of the people who read my work or follow me on any social media, I assume that you're more progressive, possibly more liberal-minded, and for a lot of us, the election brought with it a really scary realization that this country, while it is still a really great place to be, and I'm honestly so grateful that I get to live in a country where I can critique my government, I can critique my culture, I can critique the systems that are in place, uh, it doesn't really change the fact that certain systems still have power and exercise that power over other people. Uh, I won't dive too far into like the negative parts of, uh, or my critiques of people who voted for Trump. If you want to know my big thoughts on the election, you can go over to the blog at thekevingarcia.com because uh, I'm still at a place where I wanted, I'm trying to keep some distance from myself. Not that I'm trying to circumvent my own hurt, but it's so, it feels so close to home still. It's, I was listening to the Another Round podcast with Heaven and Tracy, and they had a guest on there. Her name is Bim. And she said, it kind of feels like a fever. Like I'm hot at cold all at once that like, I feel like I need to do something, but I can't move at all. It's just like January 20th, a man named Donald J. Trump is going to be in the same space as Barack Obama and his family. And that just doesn't, that doesn't even seem real. That seems like a joke, but it's, it's so, so close. And talking with some of my friends of color, like this came as no surprise to them because in a world where black people can get shot and cops not face the consequences, I guess a Trump presidency was just a natural next step in the land of horrible, horrible inequality. There is so much to be mad about. There is plenty to be scared about. There's plenty to be pissed off about. And I want to say that your feelings, your fears, your anger, all of it, it's completely valid. And I don't want you to listen to people telling you that, oh, you just need to suck it up, or you're overreacting, or you need to see things from the perspective of those who voted for Trump. And I'm sorry, but the people who voted for Trump will largely be unaffected by his presidency, am I right? So if I'm scared, it's because I've got a reason to. I've got the right to be mad. And I'll even say to maybe to a degree that maybe we should stay mad. Because it was righteous anger that led Jesus to be flipping tables in the temple. He saw a system that was in place that was keeping the poor from being able to enter the presence of God. And so he flipped tables and he said, no, not in my house. This is not how we do things. And so maybe we should be doing the same. If we need to be flipping tables for the next four years to get people to wake up, 
Let's do it. Let's not just stew in our own fear. Don't stew in fear. Don't stew in anger. Let that lead you to action. Because that's what we can do. Because we can sit around all day and talk about how this is horrible, this is horrible, this is horrible. And at the same time, we can organize. We can get together with our communities. We can figure out how to plug in, how to educate our communities on the issues that we're facing. And that's honestly what fills me with so much hope, are people who are already organizing, who are already starting to create spaces to talk about what the next four years are going to look like. Um, I also have a friend of mine, uh, Debbie Lee, who you heard in the last podcast. She she said, like, I've been at the gym, like, stress exercising because I feel like I'm preparing for the resistance. There are people in this world who feel just as scared as you. So if you feel alone, if you feel isolated, I'm here to tell you that you're certainly not. All of your feelings, I want you to feel everything. And I want you to let those feelings lead you into actions. And as you're moving into actions, I want to encourage you to do something that some people may find unpopular or find this too much to ask, but I found it's what I've needed to do in order to not let the despair win. It's my own way of like pushing against the despair, which is what a tiny revolution is all about. I want you to ask God to fill you up with love for the journey ahead because we're going to need so much of it. I want you to be filled up with love for yourself for your people, and for the people who are hurting and working against us. I'm not saying that we should just forgive the oppressor and say all is well because it's not. I'm not saying that you should make nice with people that hurt you. What I am saying is that in our critique of the systems that are in place, may we be the people to stop the cycle of anger and violence with the perfect love that Jesus taught us about. And that's not easy. I get it. I am not asking, like, that's that's not the broad path. That is the narrow path that Jesus talked about. Because the thing I'm constantly reminded of is that within systems of power and oppression, there are people. There are people who don't know that what they did was hurtful. And I, and though I am convinced, and I know that God is on the side of those on the bottom, that God is on the side of the marginalized. God also wants those who are stuck in those systems to be set free, to be woken up, to move from a place of being bystanders to standing with those that they have hurt. And it takes a shit ton of grace, and I don't know where it comes from. I don't even know if I have all of the grace in me to do it every single time, and I definitely screw it up. I'll tell you, like, on the internet this past week, I was petty. I was mean. I was letting people know exactly what I thought and letting them know how wrong they were. It wasn't productive. But you know what? I, I needed to get some of that anger out. So I'll, I'll tell you up front, I don't have all of the grace. I do not do this perfectly. But I do believe that that's what I'm called to personally on my own. And I, I don't think everyone has to live in that space of always trying to reconcile people. I don't think it's everyone's calling or job, but I do believe that as baptized people, as people who believe that grace is scandalous for every human, that we have to be the practitioners of it. Because how can anybody know what to do if we don't show them first? Not to mention, learning to forgive is for the sake of ourselves, not for the sake of those who hurt us. 
my my friend Bethany and I were were at coffee the other day, and we were talking about this kind of radical balancing act of righteous anger and love. How do we hold systems accountable for the hurt that they dole out while loving the people who are a part of those systems? How do we start to move forward? How do we stand in the gap? How do we fix this? And I don't know. I don't know how to fix big, big broken systems. I don't know how to solve world problems. I don't know how to end cycles of oppression. But what I do know is how to love and how to love the person in front of me. What I do know how to do is how to cultivate joy. What I do know how to do is to allow love to well up within me for another person. And thereby it allows me to shower love on myself and to really experience the love of God in a very big, bright, and present way. So you don't have to fix the world. You don't have to change your whole community. You have one call, and that is to see what is in front of you and give yourself to it. Pour out love where there isn't any. Be a light in the dark places. Be a good word for those who haven't heard many these days. Glennon Doyle calls people love warriors, and maybe that's you. Maybe that's what God is calling you to be as a love warrior. Someone who is going to fight even when it isn't pretty, even when it's hard, even when you want to be petty. Maybe you can be that. So I've got a challenge for you this week. This week, three things. I want you to try these. First, give love to yourself. Take time for you. Go to a movie, go get your hair did, your toes done, eat something amazing, do something that you might think is selfish as an act of self-care. Because honestly, you can't pour love out onto other people until you're filled up with love. I know that's true for me. Um, I've gotten my hair cut. I've gotten a pedicure. I've gone to the movie a few times. Because I just need to do things that just let me blow off some steam. So maybe it helps to splurge if you can. And maybe that doesn't look like spending money on yourself. Maybe it just means taking time for yourself. Binge something on Netflix. Go out in nature. Take a bath. You know, have a drink with a friend. Do something for you. Give love to yourself and know that God loves you so much. The second thing I want you to try is to do something intentional to give joy away. And now what I mean by this is not to do something, you know, extravagant or crazy. Just do something intentional for somebody else, whether it's a stranger or a friend. Just do it for the hell of it. Buy them coffee, buy them dinner, or something as simple as giving a compliment to someone. Like the other day I told this lady who came into my work um, that she had gorgeous eyes. And she said to me, you're the most joyful person I've met since the election. And I was like, mission accomplished then. And honestly, that's how we gain joy. If you want to get joy, you need to give it away and you receive it back tenfold. And I think that just comes from intentionality. So intentionally do something to give joy away to somebody. And the third thing I would like to challenge you to do is to get quiet. If you're a journal, journal out all of your feels. If you have a meditation practice, really lean into that. And if you've never taken any time just to get alone with yourself, with your mind, with your thoughts, with God, really like do this. Try it for at least 10 minutes a day for the next week. Quiet yourself. Still your mind your body, focus on your breathing. And if you need a mantra, 
borrow mine, which is something I've been meditating on for a few months now, which is, I am supremely and deeply loved by God. Center yourself on that truth. Like, even if you need to take a breath right now, let's just take a breath together, shall we? Let's just say it together. I am supremely and deeply loved by God. I am supremely and deeply loved by God. I am supremely and deeply loved by God. Just let that settle over you. That peace, the one that passes understanding, the one, that presence of God that just hovers over you at all times. Later on in the podcast, Jordan's going to give you one of his mantras, which is, God, hover over me. So God, that's our, that's our prayer as we move forward, that you would hover over us. Give us the words to say. Give us the people that we need to meet. Give us the right actions to take. And may we not stray from you. May we not do something out of our own ability or our own ego. May we be motivated to spread joy and love as acts of self-care and acts of resistance against the despair that's happening. We love you, and we know that you love us. And so we say, have your way in us, have your way in this world. And we surrender to the truth that we are supremely and deeply loved by you. Amen. So I want you to remember this, fam. Even though we don't really know that it's going to be okay, because I can't promise you that, even though the future is now wildly unpredictable, wasn't it always that way? Maybe it was always this scary, but just we had the blinders taken off. But I know that it's always been unpredictable. And I think that's to our benefit, because now we can focus on what's right in front of us. We can focus on being present. We can focus on listening for what the Spirit is doing in the here and the now. And you could be mad. You can be That can be the place where you set up camp and work through those big, frustrated emotions. But eventually, I encourage you, my brother, my sister, my sibling, we got to shoulder up our crosses and keep moving forward because time waits for nobody. And I, for one, am not going to be stuck just standing by in my bitterness. I have to do something. I still have hope. I still have hope despite all this because I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to do my part to fight for you, to fight for what I know to be true, knowing that God has won the victory and that God is going to deliver it. You, you're a victorious being. You will have everything that you need because we have each other. We have each other, and that will be enough. And that's not just a good thing. I would say that God calls it very good. Picking up the pieces of my fragile bones. Everything's completed, and my thoughts are Okay, so now that I've had my little mini-sermon, which I said that I wouldn't do again, 
But this is my podcast and not yours, so don't at me, bruh. Um, uh, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to my Patreon supporters who are absolutely incredible, who make this show financially possible, helping offset the cost of hosting by contributing monthly through financial donations. So through those things I'm getting through Patreon, I pay my editors, I pay hosting fees. So if this podcast has been helping you, if this blog has been doing something good for you, I want you to consider becoming a patron through Patreon. It's an easy way to help contribute financially to this creative process of creating good content to help out people who actually need to be connecting with this. So if you like, go over to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia and you can learn how to become a supporter. There's also a lot of really great perks that are associated with it, including a newsletter, which I will admit I am behind on, as well as Google Hangouts, uh, a quarterly shirt, which is going to be going out this December. So if you are on a certain level, you'll get a t-shirt, which I'm actually going to be sending out the crew neck design that I'm making um, to, to a certain level of supporters. If you want to know more about that, you can go check it out on Patreon. And I also understand that many of us are strapped for cash and can't actually give a monthly donation to a creative endeavor. I totally get it, but there's still a way you can help grow this podcast. And that's by going to iTunes and leaving me a rating. So go to the iTunes store, leave a five-star rating, tell everybody what you think of this podcast, hopefully something nice, and then share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc. Honestly... That helps more than you know. So let's spread a little love around. Okay, enough about me. Let me talk about the person who I am talking to today. This is my interview slash conversation with Jordan Bach. Uh, A little bit about him. Jordan Bach is a spiritual teacher and life coach. He was recognized as one of the most influential gay teachers uh, on the spiritual modern scene by PQ Monthly. And Jordan's inspirational messages are reaching a new generation of people seeking fulfillment and inner peace. In 2013, the advocate named him an LGBT architect of the next decade and listed him among the 40 under 40 most accomplished leaders. Jordan has been featured on Sirius XM Radio, Hay House Radio, The Huffington Post, and on GQ.com, and he appeared regularly on Logo TV's Secret Guide to Fabulous. In addition to his coaching practice, Jordan is a GLAAD media partner and consults with major corporations on LGBT brand initiatives. So in this conversation, uh, he and I, I mean, I'll just be very frank with you, I'm crying, like, silently, almost the entire thing, so I'm really glad we didn't have the camera on for this. But Jordan and I talk about his upbringing, how he came into his spiritual practice. We talk about what we're here to do, permission to be who we are, to love well, why it's so crucial that we stay soft towards those who hurt us. And I think it's pretty timely, given that we just had an election. Overall, it is so, so good. And my favorite thing about this conversation is we both affirm one very true thing that I hold to be true for all of us. That we're all just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So I hope you enjoy it. This is my conversation with Jordan Bach. My friend Gabby Bernstein, who's a spiritual teacher and a New York Times bestselling author, says something that's really powerful. Whenever someone in her audience stands up and says, I recently you know, broke up with my boyfriend or I just lost my job, she'll, she'll you know, 
pick up the mic and say congratulations, hmm. um, which is kind of an, another way of thinking about it. Um, you know, if we go through de- our day saying to ourselves and other people, I believe in God or I believe that everything happens for a reason. It's one thing to say that, and then it's another thing entirely to actually really believe it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so in moments where, you know, you're going through a really terrible dissolution of a, of, of a relationship or a, you know, a professional relationship, you, you have to remind yourself what it is that you really believe. So if you say that, you, that everything happens for a reason, or you say you believe that you are being guided, Mm-hmm. Um, then you can reestablish that thought in your mind and say, you know what, then that means that this is happening for a reason. Yeah. So I'm no longer going to invest in any thoughts that are disempowering about this situation. That's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jelly bean. Yeah, I do. Is that my nickname now? I get to be jelly, jelly bean. <laughs> From now on. My mom, my mom always said that growing up. You know what I mean? Jelly bean. Oh, where did you grow up? Cause I feel like. I know about like your professional work and what you do and you know, what we all present online as like, I've seen it, but where did, where did you grow up? What was that like? I grew up in just outside of Boston, about mm-hmm. 30 minutes South of Boston. And it was a really beautiful American town, a new England town. Actually the town I grew up in Hingham, Massachusetts, um, all of the towns around where I'm from were named for towns that exist in England because the pilgrims came over mm-hmm. and called it, you know, New England. New, yeah, New England. And so my town Hingham, there's another town in England named Hingham as well. But Hingham has the oldest home in America. Wow. Today. It's like I think 1618. Wowzers. And so I grew up surrounded by um you know, really old, beautiful homes and a very kind of puritanical culture. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> even uh, still today. It's it's interesting how like like fear based religion like really clings to a place. I grew up in Williamsburg, um, which was like uh, first college in America. You know the the historic triangle, yeah, the whole nine yards. And so like it is so prevalent. Just like the foundation that was set there of just like very like this is how you do life and this is what the church is and this is what it means to be a good person and yeah, just... you, you know it's it's really interesting because we have these pockets all around america you have the you have the you have the south you have new england you have um, uh, the the middle of america you have the midwest you so you have all these different areas and i think where there is fear it doesn't matter where it is geographically mm-hmm. It exi- you know, fear exists everywhere, right? Yeah. And so it can, it, there are cultural fears um, in these different pockets of America that have their own sort of um, nuances and characteristics. And where I grew up, um, it's, it's uh, um, just, it's very interesting. I love Boston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I love, I love where I come from and whenever I go back I feel blessed to have come from there but it's interesting how we can learn from our childhood mm-hmm. and learn from the cultures um, that we grew up in um, all I knew was that I wanted to get the hell out of there hmm. when I was a little kid yeah um, because I didn't feel you know I always those of us who grow up LGBTQ right. 
plus, or as I like to say, queer, Mm -hmm. um, you just naturally feel like an outsider. Um, Even though I grew up with very accepting parents, um, cosmopolitan, smart parents who had gay friends, my mom and dad have gay friends. My dad's best friend um, is a really fantastic gay guy. And and I he and his partner have been married for thirty years. And wow. I I saw them, you know, hugging and kissing on our living room couch since I was a little toddler and was hanging out with them. Even though I grew up in that environment where my parent my dad would always say, It's natural to be gay. You know, if you're yeah. gay, you're gay. Of course. That's how I grew up, which is so different than most queer people grow up around the world today. Mm-hmm. Yet still I experienced what it was like to be pumping gas at the gas station and see the, you know, the townie boys uh, roll up in their car oh God. and think to myself, oh, oh shit, mm-hmm. am I going to get my ass kicked? Mm-hmm. You know, am I safe? Um, and then, you know, the constant taunting that you get in school as a mm-hmm. little feminine boy, which oh, yeah. I was. And, and so <clears throat> it, it's... Uh, how, how, where, 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 what are we even talking about here? I'm just going on and on and on. And um, <laughs> I was just asking where you grew up. And, okay, so, and then we yeah. were talking about fear, and then we were talking about cultural stuff within town. So, like, technically, you're like still right on track. Well, it's wherever you grow up. I think the the fear is there, and I think it's so interesting to me that I grew up with so many of those shame based fears about being gay, even though I had what some kids pray and hope and wish for. So it's still something that exists culturally in this country. And that's why it's so important, the work that you're doing. And um, I, I really commend you for the work that you're doing in oh. helping in, in helping dissolve some of the fear. Thanks. I appreciate that. I think that's something I realized uh, probably on because like I just celebrated like one year out of the closet on last Thursday. Congratulations. So- Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> And it, it just, it's, it's so surprising to me. Like I look back at like, you know, blog entries from before that day or even, you know, like, I don't know if you use time hop at all, um, to remind yourself of all the stupid things you did years ago <laughs> via social I'm familiar. media. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I look back at some of those posts and I'm just like, I don't even remotely think that way anymore. I don't like that person seems so, so different. It, it feels like, I think for me, like the coming out process allowed me to finally catch up with my age if that makes sense because it caused me to mature very quickly because I you know lost my ministry and I lost any opportunity to like work in the church anymore Mm -hmm. but what I gained from coming out was like I no longer had the fear of man like I had I no longer cared like if a church wanted or could accept me for who I am I had no need of, you know, people who are in, you know, quote unquote power, or at least like within the evangelical world where I used to reside, it kind of, it all fell away. And I've done more ministry as an openly gay person than I ever did as a closeted, you know, want to want to be straight worship pastor. And I think that's what fear does to a lot of people. It, it keeps them from embracing the fullness of who they were created to be. And it just, it makes that's that's the business I'm in. That's why that I, is so beautiful. I, I mean, that bears repeating, you know, you saying I lost my ministry, but I gained my ministry. Mm, yeah. You know, God, each of us is a minister of God, you know, mm-hmm. if we choose to be one. Amen. And 
we don't need a church. We don't need to be wearing a certain thing or looking a certain way to be a powerful minister of God, which is to say a teacher of love, Mm -hmm. a teacher of compassion, forgiveness, mercy, and charity. And I mean, that is a powerful thing you just said. I lost my ministry, but I, I, you know, in so many words, you gained your ministry. You don't need a church. And I think that so much, that's happening to so many people today. Um, Right. LGBT, straight, whatever, um, people who are really coming up against these um, structures and institutions that are limiting their ability to really open their hearts to the world mm-hmm. in a way that's that's powerful and right. that helps other people love and forgive themselves. And, 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 and they're saying, you know what, I need to go out into the world and be a minister. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and do it in a way that feels right for me. Um, and I think th- this applies to anyone, whether or not you think of yourself as a teacher of love or 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 not. Right. Um, we're here to love and be loved. And in that sense, each of us is is a minister. Like me and my friend Aiden Dowling were talking the other day about people are seeking their permission slips to simply do what they're here to do and not realizing that God has already given you permission to do the thing, whatever the thing is. I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, I, we, we seek permission and this goes for anyone. This goes for whether you're religious, whether you're atheist, whatever we're doing in the world. We are con- we, so many of us are constantly seeking permission. You know, we're waiting for someone to come up to us and ask us if we want to do the thing that we really want to do. Mm-hmm. And no one's ever going to do that. Right. No one's ever going to come up to us and say, Yes, you can do this one thing or you can be this person that you've always wanted to be. So we're seeking for permission where there will never be any. You know, if we wait around for permission to be the people we want to be, we're never going to get it. Right. God has already given us that permission. And so it's so it's uh, I won't say it's sad because it is what it is. And it's been happening for time forever, you know, but but we're what people are waiting on the universe. People are waiting on God and all along God's been waiting on us. Switching gears ever so slightly. Um, okay. I am curious, how did you find your way into kind of like your spiritual practice and then th- thereby like kind of becoming, because uh, you, you're, a, a, I don't know how you identify yourself, a life coach, a spiritual teacher. I, I, I don't even know what to, how to identify myself. I, <laughs> I always hated the term life coach, but the fact is people, a lot of people understand what it means. Yeah. So when I say I'm a life coach, you know, what's the percent? I would say, you know, like 60% of people are like, oh, cool. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so that's just a label that helps me quickly identify myself when I'm, you know, at a, at a lunch or a dinner or something. And someone says, what do right. you do? You say, I'm, I'm, I'm a life coach. So, but I, I've never loved that label. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. And, all, but I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, things, well, he, 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 here's what I did. I grew up with these great parents who 
are atheists. Mm-hmm. I was not modeled any spiritual or religious beliefs. So this isn't something that, you know, my parents taught me or I learned anywhere. I, from a, a little a little boy, maybe three or four years old, have memories of feeling guided, mm-hmm. protected, and loved by a force outside of me, but at the same time in me. Yeah. In the sense that I could communicate with this force just using my mind. And... I could feel this force around me and sometimes it, it, it felt almost like a, a hovering presence. And that's why one of my favorite simple prayers is God hover over me, mm. hover over me. And I, that hovering presence of, of, of a guiding, protecting, profoundly loving force has been with me since I can remember. And I didn't have a word for it. Mm-hmm. And in, and I didn't have uh, any um, theoretical framework for it, but I knew that it was there. And so, you know, up until I was maybe 14, I was an atheist because I just, I took on what my father would say. Yeah. He would say at the kitchen table, anyone who believes in God or, you know, believes in a higher power is intellectually weak and they just need comfort. And so I said, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. So I went through a part of my life thinking anyone who talked like the way I talked <laughs> was a total idiot who just couldn't deal with reality of the world. And then I started, I just had, to, I needed to know what that feeling was that I'd felt since I was little. Mm-hmm. I needed to un- help myself understand the mystical experiences and memories and dreams that I have had for my whole life. Yeah. And so I started to read. And when I started to read, I started to read mystical Judaism because mm-hmm. my, 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 my family is of, of Jewish descent. And so I started to read mystical Judaism um, and the Kabbalah. And then I started to dabble in, um, and by dabble, I mean, I just started to research um, I started to entertain different theories and ideas. Um, and, I, you know, I've studied the life of Jesus, um, who's so inspiring to me. Yeah. And so I don't know how I identify. I don't know what, I, what I'm doing. All I know is that I believe in my heart of hearts that I am here, as we all are, to love, to shed light to illuminate darkness. And so I, I will do that for the rest of my life. I don't know what form that will take. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm, you know, recording a podcast interview with you. And then, um, after this, I'm going to edit a video and post a video online. And, um, then I have a life coaching client later today. And I, I just trust that if I go forward, and this is something, you know, I'm sure you've been thinking about since um, moving on from your job last week. Yeah. If you say you believe in a higher power, if you say you believe in a, in a, in a guiding force, and you believe that that guiding force wants you to love and be loved, then really your only job here is to love. And if you go out into the world and every morning, every week, every month, every year say... <sighs> Show me where to go. Show me 
how I can be of service. Show me how I can really just love. That force will guide you into every conversation and it will guide you to know what the right next step is. Um, what's interesting for me, and, and I talk about this, you know, these topics a lot, we're in an age where like this is becoming more and more popular to be of service and to be loving. And, you know, life coaching is a growing industry, right? Yeah. What I, what I worry about is that people are looking around at other people's success and copying and there's nothing wrong with, with copying. I really believe we should try, if we like the way someone does something, if we like someone's style, we should try it on for size. It might fit us too. Um, but I feel like we really have to, each of us has to ask ourselves, how can I, in my own way, with my own gifts and my own unique strengths, be loving today, this week, this month, this year? Because for me, I like talking I have a strong, I have strong opinions and I have a strong voice. And so it's comfortable and natural and enjoyable for me to record podcasts and record videos, mm -hmm. but not everybody's meant to do that. Someone would be, someone might be so much better at making art yeah. that really comforts and reassures people and moves them to tears. I can't do that. I mean, so, and, and this is, each of us has divine assignments, right? Mm-hmm. We're born into the, into the families that we're born into for a reason with our parents, with their, the, the dynamic of their relationship. Um, I believe that these things are chosen prior to our coming here. And when we get here, these things, you could call them fates. Um, these fates serve as the container of our soul's experience for the purposes of our soul's growth. And so we have these assignments the region into, you know, the pockets of the country into which we were born, the families, the church, the whatever it is, these are our assignments. And so often some with LGBT people, we don't feel like we ever asked to have this. You know, a yeah. lot of us at some point say, can you just make me straight? If you're mm -hmm. God, if you're out there, just make me straight. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> turns out we, we did. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you know. I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to be like this. turns out not only did we sign up for this, we also signed up to be teachers. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Here's what I don't mean by that. I don't mean that each of us needs to record a podcast or get on YouTube or write a blog or even go on Facebook and start you know, posting about it. What I'm, A Course in Miracles, which is a metaphysical text I study yeah. and teach, says that to teach is to demonstrate. So... We teach things by being, and that's a really powerful thing for every LGBT person to kind of entertain, to think about for a minute. How are we, you know, it's one thing to say, I'm proud to be gay, and to say those words. It's one thing to say that, mm -hmm. and it's another thing entirely to demonstrate that through your life, through your yeah. behavior, through how you treat yourself. Mm -hmm. And so to me, to say I'm proud to be gay and proclaim that in a way that's, that's, that's uh, you know, trying to be revolutionary, that's, that's great. But um, what interests me is how, how are we demonstrating that through our work? How yeah. are we demonstrating that through how we treat ourselves, how we elevate ourselves and each other, which is really important to me also. Oh, absolutely. 
you know, how do we treat other queer people? How do we treat the trans woman of color? Mm-hmm. How do we treat the gay guy who is who reflects back to us maybe the qualities in us that we don't we've always had a difficult time with, whether that's yeah. you know the femininity or the or the whatever. Mm-hmm. How do we treat each other? How are we demonstrating that we are proud to be gay? Yeah. How are we demonstrating our love? That's that is really 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 important i think if we want to create a tiny revolution in our lives in our corners of the universe yeah and that's what it means to teach that's that's what i mean by that we come here not only did we come here intending to be gay but we came in as teachers into the churches and the families and so we don't even i think coming out is a very powerful spiritual experience that's Mm -hmm. just embedded in our lives as queer people but we also have this ability to just by being, Mm -hmm. you know, we say to our family, we say to our church, I'm gay. And then just by our presence, we can change our, we can change people's minds just by our presence. Yeah. That's so good. Ah, yeah. Your presence. This is a line from Yogi Bhajan. He said, your presence is your power. Yeah. And, and that's why meditation mm-hmm. and whatever you do, if it's meditation, if it's, if it's prayer, if it's, you know, talking to Jesus, whatever it is, mm-hmm. can you change the quality of, is it changing the, the quality of your presence? Because listen, if you sit down to prayer and you come out and you have the same presence that, that, <laughs> yeah. that you had going in. Then, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, I, if, if Jesus is with you and your presence hasn't changed, then is he really? Yeah. Come on. Say that again. You know, so your presence is your power. And I think that's where the real tiny revolution begins. Mm. The revolution begins as a thought in the mind. Yeah. And those thoughts change the quality of our presence, which end up changing the world. Pete Holmes of the You Made It Weird podcast, he said he like he referred to people as just like as like as part-time spiritual people, like who just like they'll go to a church on Sunday and then at the same time they're pointing at you, me, or somebody else. It's like, well, you don't look like me, therefore there's no way that you're a Christian, a spiritual person, a whatever. But in reality, like I feel like it's so flipped on its head because like why are you challenged by my by me just existing? And it's because I'm walking in the fullness of my own, like my, the fullness of my own identity. You know, I know who God has told me to be. I know what God has shown me how to, who to be and how to be it. And that challenges you. And if you are truly grounded in your spirituality, whatever it is, you wouldn't be shaken by someone's authenticity. You'd be like, that's good. That is true. And Kevin, so too, is it true that we have to question why we are so challenged by people mm, yeah who are challenged by us you know so this is like a vicious cycle oh, yeah that's so good. so we have people who challenge us we have you know extreme examples like the westboro baptist church who pick it at funerals and say god hates you know everything word yeah god hates you know xyz and we have to really ask ourselves where in us 
are we so challenged by those people? Where in us do we look at those people who are hating? Where do we look at them with hate in our hearts? Yeah. Some, at some point, the cycle has to stop. And let it be with the true believers. Come on. You know, so when Jesus said, you, you know, uh, m- many of you will come to me and say, did I not work miracles in your name? And he said, I never knew you. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, so let's not point fingers at who knows Jesus, who doesn't, who, who does Jesus know, who doesn't he know? <laughs> let's yeah. concern ourselves with, in our own hearts, do we know him? Mm-hmm. In our own hearts, are we stopping the wars? Yes. So this idea of tiny revolution, this is what we're talking about today yeah. on Kevin Garcia's podcast, A Tiny Revolution. How we're talking about The ultimate tiny revolution, which is the one that's happening in our own mind. Yeah. And that starts, that begins with asking ourselves, where do I have hate in my heart? Where do I have fear? Where do I have resistance? And where do I believe that someone else is separate um, or less than me? And those people are also God's children. Mm. And that's really hard to understand that, you know, horrible murderers Mm -hmm. and people who create such suffering and pain, the people who we know in our own lives who have done that to us and the people who are doing that in the newspapers and on CNN, those people are also God's children. Yeah. And until we can embody that, and like I said, not just teach it like I'm doing right now, but demonstrate it in our own lives which is something i struggle to do and we all struggle to do but it's ultimately why we're here mm-hmm. that's the th- that's how we're we'll you know save the world that's how this is gonna go down and it's gonna go down at some point yeah the question is how long is it gonna take and that is entirely up to us and Come how on. how much suffering we're going to allow to happen before that does happen that's entirely up to us. That's why God's waiting on us. It's up to us to work as many miracles as we can in our lives, which is to say, shift our thinking from fear to love mm-hmm. and listen to what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to do in any given situation. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, cancel the plan that you had to go to a party and stay home with your roommate so you can have a conversation that you feel spirit is guiding you to have because you saw that he was sad earlier in the day. You know, little things like that. Or if you get quiet enough and you really connect with God every day, you can hear that voice and then you're guided and then you sit you you can stand there with the keys in your hand and you're about to go to a party but you know that spirit wants you to you know have sit and 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 stay home with your friend that's your choice in that moment when you're standing there yeah. so i don't believe everything is 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 determined we have yeah. choices we have choices and it's like that movie sliding doors if you've ever seen it it's like a 90s movie with Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> I'll put it on my list. I'm just like, oh, da, it's da, da. actually it's really good and it has some interesting spiritual lessons in it. And basically, she in the morning misses her train, and then at the same time, it shows you another scene where she makes the train, and then the rest of the movie is goes off in on these two very different paths that diverged because of a single 
different, a single different choice, a single different situation, making the train, missing the train, hence sliding doors, the doors closed. Mm -hmm. So, and each of us, every choice that we make, whether we're going to listen to spirit or whether we're going to choose what just excites our us, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, we have a choice in each of those choices. We sort of inherit a parallel universe. Yeah. And when we think of it that way, we have a a thousand choices every day, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, anyone listening, we can take a deep breath. We can listen to spirit. We can say, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? We can listen. And then we can choose to go on that guidance. Or we can go, "Mm, I'm I'm just going to sort of run away from whatever I'm feeling and I'm going to go eat or drink or, or not that any of the thing, things are bad, but or I can them as an escape run away. Yeah, I can run away. I can run away from, from what I know in my heart. You said, you know, your heart knows things before your mind does. Mm-hmm. We can, we use these things to run away from what our heart is, is leading us to do, which will ultimately lead us to happy lives, happy mm-hmm. lives. And I say that because a lot, a lot of times the way we talk about service and loving other people sounds like it's a sacrifice mm-hmm. of time and energy and that it's like, oh, wow, you're a real good person for doing that because that's not easy. That's hard. And this sort of dialogue and narrative we have going around service and, and loving people is that it's a life of sacrifice. It's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. A life of sacrifice is one that's lived without the fulfillment of knowing at the end of the day when you go to bed that you've helped someone. Mm. That's good. Going through really bad times in life to know, for example, right now, you know, you just shared with us that you lost your job, Mm. which isn't by no means easy. Yeah. Even though I shared with you that little congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's by no means easy, but if you can go to bed tonight knowing that you've done even a small part to help other people or to help other people heal their hearts, you can go to bed someone who knows that you are successful. Yeah. You, you are a deeply successful person. And, th- and, th- and, th- and, th- and that is true for everyone. Ugh, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> no. Whew, hold on. Give me just like a second. I'm uh, going to pull it's- it. Pull it together. Pull it together. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. I, I listen. This is great. This is why we're all yeah. here to, to to have honest conversations and to open our hearts to ourselves and to each other and to have conversations that make each other teary eyed. Yeah. Because think about all the people. You know, we just spoke about Westboro Baptist Church as an extreme example. Yeah. These are people who have hardened hearts. These aren't people who are soft people. These are hard, bitter, embittered people. And so our real job in life is to soften our hearts, mm-hmm. to till the soil of our hearts. And I think that's what's <sighs> happening when we cry. That's such you know? a good line. Till the soil of your heart. Till the soil of your heart because, you know, flowers don't grow in cement. Yeah. They grow out of out of tilled soil, and I think every time that someone says something that that really stirs us mm-hmm. and and we well up with tears, that's some part of our hardened heart sort of cracking open, mm-hmm. and the soil of our heart is being tilled so that flowers can grow. 
And these are the hearts. These are the little gardens where tiny revolutions happen. These are the hearts that, that, that change minds and change the world and ultimately become the cute little old people that you want to hang out with. Yes. <laughs> Which is my ultimate goal. I just want yeah, to be me a, too. All not, I, I will not be the crotchety old man who's waving his cane at little kids running onto his lawn. No. I just don't want to be that guy. I probably, <laughs> if, if I can help it, I still want to be wearing skinny jeans and tank tops with like all my <laughs> tattoos. Uh, by the time I'm like eight, because my grandfather is like 85 years old. I'm just like, and has like no hair and like he's missing all of his teeth. But he's got a really great, great dentures. So his teeth look amazing. Oh, that's great. So I'm like, <laughs> if I'm headed for at least like 60% of that, I'm doing okay. Right. So. That's good. <sighs> I'm not going to cry right now. I, I think what's so interesting is the sermon that was taught last night was actually uh, the parable of the seeds. And... Uh, you know, the seed was the seed was cast, and some fell on the path, some fell in the rocky soil, some were among the thorns and thumb, some within good soil. And I think, oh, there you go. It was all based around this idea of uh, God is currently tilling your soil. God is breaking up the things that were to make things room for the things that will be. I think, in part, that comes also with choosing to do the work as well, because it's very easy for us to, like hear a good teaching, hear a word that really touches us, um, read something, experience something. But then like if our heart is in the state of the thorns or rocky soil where, where it around. Yeah. Cause like it can spring up for a time and it's like, Oh, I'm going to have joy today because this, but just, it's one of those things where either. Yeah. If, but are you going to be able to maintain that because you are maintaining your own self care, your own spiritual practices, keeping your eyes fixed on what actually matters because I think this conversation was so good for me just on my own because I needed a reminder that it doesn't matter if I have a traditional job or if I uh or even even this podcast I think the Ecclesiastes says it's like everything is meaningless and yet because of that everything becomes so it's the both and kind of nothing matters and therefore everything matters intensely well part of that parable um, he talks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Yeah. So, I, I, I yeah, it, it's it's so great, you know, for me to have you know had a television show and to have people stop me in the street, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that you know is like beyond cool. Mm-hmm. And I will never be a person to say, you know, those things you know do nothing for me. No, it's great. It's fun, and and. That's part of, I think, God's plan for my life is to say, you know, you're, you're doing work that helps people and he, here's some enjoyment, which is to say it isn't a life of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But those things, I also realize, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was sitting in the park yesterday and I was thinking, there are a lot of people whose names will never know mm-hmm. who are doing such good works and because of that are living such deeply rich, meaningful and fulfilling lives who know a joy that I will never know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know their name and they're not on TV and they're not on Twitter either. Not on Twitter. <laughs> they don't have an in, in Instagram, you know, they're not verified on, on, you know, on Facebook. So 
that's also a, a thing to remind ourselves that where are we caught up in the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches yeah and the lusts of yeah. other things entering in you know and and where just become aware of that and also become aware of our tendency to to make our our hearts stony ground by constantly saying you're not being a good christian mm-hmm. Or you're not maintaining, you know, your practice. Or Is that your not... attempt at a southern accent? No. Uh, no actually, oh. But, but I can try and do one if you want. If you won't. <laughs> if you won't. So, yeah, it's about. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's... I got you off track. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, constant. For, for me, people say, you know, what's your spiritual practice? And the, the core of my spiritual practice is self-forgiveness. Oof is constantly asking myself, where am I giving myself a hard time? And you know where that comes up a lot for people who are deeply spiritual, as I am? Mm -hmm. We shame ourselves for not praying enough. (laughs) And and we say we pray and we meditate. This is why it's important to listen to what we say and then ask ourselves, am I doing what I say I do? Yeah, you know, because we say that we pray and we meditate to get close to God, and then we're shaming ourselves for not praying and meditating, which is exactly where you know Satan comes in, <laughs> which is exactly where you know mystical Jews call it the Satan, and New Age people call it the ego. This is where the ego I call it the ego coming in through the back door. Yeah. We're shaming ourselves. We're calling. We're saying you're not a child of God. That's what our subconscious is saying. You're not a child of God because you're not praying. And so we lead ourselves to prayer out of out of guilt, which is just this is how the ego wraps us up. And then before we know it, we are guilty Christians mm. with hardened hearts who go around picketing at people's funerals saying Oof. God hates you because we have such guilt in our hearts. Yeah. And we can just sometimes cry and say, even though I'm imperfect, I am deeply and completely lovable. That's my mantra. Like not, e- not even joking, like in my meditation practice, like the thing I, I've been concentrating on is I'm supremely and deeply loved. And just... That's a good one. Uh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's the good ground, you know, that Jesus is talking about in, in, in Mark. Mm-hmm. There is, that's the good ground. Is, is, is really preparing, you know, A Course in Miracles says preparing a table upon which grace can be laid. Come on. And preparing that table means creating that good ground, that tilled soil of our hearts that's soft. And if, and that requires tears sometimes and crying because we just all of a sudden feel the love coming through a song or a movie. This is what keeps us soft, and this is what ultimately is the soil where we can receive the word and yeah. bring forth fruit. Yeah. Mike. We went to church today. Come on, y'all. Come on. <laughs> don't play. I always, I always tell people what I'm talking like, don't put me on the pulpit. Because if we, we're going to be there a while if we do. Jordan, I, uh, I think you're great. You're so shockingly normal. And that's the best part about you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, th- I, t- I take that as such a compliment. You're an ordinary person doing extraordinary things, and you have ministered to me 
this morning because oh well now see now you're making me teary-eyed oh sorry that's an ordinary I... person doing extraordinary things i think that's it's precisely what i am it's what i so thank you for validating that for me and i think that that's what each of us really is yeah you know all of us are special and none of us are special yeah. Put that one in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. All of us are special and none of us are special. We're ordinary people who have the power to do extraordinary things. And like young Jeezy said, you know, even greater things than 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 what I've done. Yeah, well, did you just refer to Jesus as young Jeezy? Yeah, the original young Jeezy. You ah oh, <laughs> bless God. Bless be God. She is great and all and worthy to be praised. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love, I love young Jeezy. And, you know, I, I really feel in the work that I do one-on-one with people, um, you know, I took him at his word when he said, where two or more are joined in my name, I, I will be there as well. And so, um, you know, I don't always use Christian words. Um, language, A Course in Miracles says, is at best symbolic. Oh, yeah. We can only talk about God in terms of metaphor. I can say Christ. I can say Jesus. Uh, in 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 my heart, there's um there's there is there is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some other people, um, it's it may be another word for them, and that's okay. The point is, am I bringing the love of Christ through my mind into my heart and out of my mouth, and that compassion and that mercy and that grace, or not? Yeah. Um, and I trust that when two or more people are joined in for the purposes of healing, yes. like you and I are doing today, that he's here with us, guiding our minds and guiding our hearts toward exactly what we need to say so that other people can hear it. And that's the consciousness that 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 I think this new age is bringing into people's hearts, particularly particularly the hearts of the much maligned millennial generation mm-hmm. of which i think you and i are both part yeah um you know people say that we're very selfish but turns out we're the most charitable generation that has ever you know been recorded in history yeah we're willing to spend more money because something does good yeah um that to me is a, a, is an aspect of christ consciousness come on and there are people who who may not know Jesus or or believe in him, but or a ver- they believe in a version of Jesus. But what I say, if you're if you're spending your money, if you're spending more money because it's going to do good and help mm-hmm. someone, that's an aspect of Christ consciousness. Yeah. And I hope that that at the end of this life, I can say that I increased the amount of compassion. I lessened the degrees of separation on this planet um, in my corner of the universe on the plot of land I was given by the Most High. And that's it. That's my spiel, to use a Yiddish word. (laughs) Uh, You're probably crying too. Maybe just a little bit. I don't know. At least I was. That was my conversation with Jordan Bach. You should absolutely connect with Jordan over on his website, which is thebachbook.com. Bach spelled B-A-C-H, like Johann Sebastian. And you can also connect with him on Instagram at thebachbook and on Twitter, which is just at Jordan Bach. And uh, be sure to sign up for his newsletter on his website so you get good soul-powered life tips. And you can also find out if he's ever doing a speaking engagement near you. So, yeah, that was so much fun for me. As per usual, I want to tell you that I'm a part of the Bedlam 
podcast network. We are a collection of creatives sounding off on things that matter, whether it's television or faith or life or creativity. There's a podcast probably that's going to really speak to you. So head on over to bedlampodcast.com and connect with our other podcasts, which include Starving Critics, which is a movie and TV review show. The Trust Fall, which Andy Garcia, my internet cousin, is talking about just his own journey and with faith and how to live life well. And uh, yeah, I think that sums up everything. As per usual, connect with me on all of the social media networks. Um, I'm at the Kevin Garcia on most places. Um, you can also just connect with me through the blog, thekevingarcia.com where my blog lives. And if you didn't already, go and subscribe to that, and you can pick up my ebook, which is called. Are you a practicing homosexual and other things? I wish you'd quit asking me for free. It's a good one. It's got fun cussing words in it. So who doesn't love that? Next week, I'm going to be back with a conversation with my friend James Barnett. And I promise no sermons next week, just a conversation. Um, James is the founder of Clothe Your Neighbor as Yourself. So if you want to hear a really radical story, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so you can uh, have it in your inbox as soon as it's ready. That's all from me, uh, and that's all for this week's episode of A Tiny Revolution. I hope that you loved it, and I hope that you remember that you're loved. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I will talk to you next week, okay? Mwah. I just want to dance by myself tonight With all of my friends, all my crew tonight I just want to dance by myself tonight Cause you put me through it Gave you one last chance and you blew it did you just refer to Jesus as Young Jeezy? Yeah, the original Young Jeezy.